Welcome to Sunshine Studios, home of the Dead Stripper podcast. With a word of caution before you continue. Dead Stripper contains explicit content, such as strong language and the depiction of graphic sex and violence, including murder. Therefore, this podcast might not be suitable for all audiences. Forewarned is forearmed. And now, into Chapter 3 of Dead Stripper, which we pick up as Steve's pulling away from the stripper's apartment and getting a request to pick up one of the girls we just met in Chapter 2. Scene 7. At the same time. Media Station Apartments. Media. I'm still parked behind the entrance to the stripper's apartment building. I get back inside my SUV and start the engine. I'm staring at a six-foot chain-like fence right in front of me with a steep drop-off on the other side. A trash dumpster sits next to me on the right, and parked cars are lined up behind me on the left and the right. I back up slowly, then turn the wheel a little, pull forward slowly. That's the only way to avoid bumping into any of the cars parked on both sides. Two more backups and pull forwards before I can finally turn all the way around. Then I get going a little, but here comes a car with its high beams blinding me. Come on, pal, give me a fucking break. There's barely enough room to squeeze past each other. This son of a bitch isn't slowing down. Should I stop and let the asshole pass, or take my chances and keep going? Fuck him. Damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. We almost sideswipe, but pass without collide. The car looks like a Beamer. It's too dark to see the driver's face, but that's definitely a man behind the wheel. I turn on the Uber app and immediately get a request. Jessica, 1030 East Lancaster Avenue, Bryn Mawr. The app sets a parameter of 13 miles and 19 minutes to reach the pickup location. I retrace my route back through media, then get on the blue route heading northbound. Not much traffic, so it only takes 15 minutes to reach my exit, and then another 4 minutes to reach the pickup location. Scene 8. Radnor House Condominiums, Lancaster Avenue, Bryn Mawr. I'm looking at a condo complex sitting off to the right. It's 10 stories tall, but it looks taller because it's perched on top of a hill. I start up a crescent-shaped driveway and call the rider halfway up the hill. A female's voice answers, Hello? This is your Uber driver. I'm right outside the entrance in a silver SUV. Thanks. I'm getting on the elevator right now. Two minutes pass. Then I see a door open and a female exits the building. She looks attractive. A little better than average height with blondish hair. She's trim and athletic looking and wearing tight jeans and a navy sweater. She starts walking toward the passenger side. I lower the window on her side. She reaches my vehicle and looks through the open window. Steve? She asks. Yep. She opens the back door and gets inside. Where are we going? I ask while closing the window. Phoenixville. Do you know where that is? Yep. You live there? No, I live here. Don't mind me for being curious, but if you live here, why are you going to Phoenixville at this hour? I just decided to spend the night at my parents' place. No kidding. Guess you could say I had a fight with my boyfriend. And in case you haven't noticed, I've been drinking. Doesn't show. Believe me. I've been drinking wine all day and I can really feel it now. No way I'm driving. The last thing I need is a DUI on top of everything else. Smart move. I hit start trip and see her destination. 909 Westridge Drive, Phoenixville. The app says 30 minutes and 16 miles. 
So I do some quick factoring and I realize it'll be almost 2 a.m. by the time I drop her off. I put the car in gear and we're on our way. I'm not usually like this, she says, but I got fired today. I got fired once. Not a whole lot of fun. Plus, you think you're never going to find another job. It's starting to feel like that already. What kind of work do you do? A bartender, paramour. At least I was until today. Interesting name. I once bought a gym membership for my girlfriend, and I wrote paramour to describe our relationship. But no one knew what it meant. I don't either. Literally, it means for love. It usually implies an illicit partner to a married man and means pretty much the same thing as mistress. Ah, uh, but I used it wrong. How's that? Neither one of us were married. There goes nothing illicit was going on. Should have just said girlfriend, but I was trying to show off. Thanks for the vocabulary lesson. You're welcome. But why'd you get fired? New owner. He brought in a new manager, and the new manager wanted to hire his girlfriend, so he made up some bullshit excuse, and I was out. How long did you work there? Going on five years. Great job. I made enough to afford the condo where you just picked me up. Impressive. Mainline address. Not cheap. Tell me about it. But I never planned on being a bartender in the first place. No? What do you want to be? I graduated from the Art Institute in Philly. But it didn't take long to figure out that being an artist wasn't in the cards. Why not? <laughs> I wasn't good enough. And trust me, I make a lot more money tending bar than I ever would painting pictures. So, let's face it. I'm a bartender. Nothing wrong with that. How'd you get into art to begin with? My art teacher in high school pushed me. I could draw a little, and being an artist sounded romantic. <laughs> I know where you're coming from. I want to be a mystery writer. That sounds romantic to a lot of people. But I haven't sold a single story so far. So that's where the romance ends and reality begins. So for now, I'm a glorified taxi driver. How's that working out for you? Pays the bills. I set my own hours, plenty of flexibility, and plenty of time to write. I see. And how do things stand with your girlfriend? What girlfriend? Your paramour. Oh. <laughs> Old news. No girlfriend. Not even one? Nope. Why not? Ambition. Ambition. I don't get it. Ambition's my Shakespearean tragic flaw of character. Since when is ambition a flaw? Not usually. But in my case, it is. How so? Like I said, I want to be a mystery writer so bad, but all my stories keep getting rejected. Why? No idea. I think they're pretty good. But you still keep trying, right? Yep. But getting a story published is just my initial goal. Then comes a book, then more books, and then seeing one of my books turn into a movie or a Netflix series. You do have some pretty lofty goals. But maybe ambition isn't your tragic flaw after all. No? What is? Maybe ego's your tragic flaw. How so? I hate to say it, but maybe, just like me being an artist, you're just not good enough to be a writer. Hmm. Never looked at it that way. Hope you're wrong. But either way, ambition or ego, I'm determined to make it. Where do you stand now? I submitted another story last week, and I'm waiting to hear back. What do you do for fun? Not much. All work and no play make Jack a dull boy. Then just call me Jack. But enough about me. You still don't tell me about the fight with your boyfriend. Oh, that. Getting fired was a real downer. I never saw it coming. So I tried to contact my boyfriend, looking for some sympathy. I called him and texted him, 
but the dick ignored me. How long you been going out with this guy? I met him in art school. Then we bumped into each other at a party last year and, you know, one thing led to another. What's he do? He owns his own business, a startup. Can I ask you a question? Shoot. And get an honest answer? Shoot. If you were in his shoes, would you call me or at least text me? <laughs> no way you're getting me in the middle of this. Seriously, what would you do? Uh, honestly, if you were someone I cared about, really cared about, I'd get back to you ASAP. There's a Wawa up ahead. Would you be so kind to stop? I need to put something in my stomach, you know, a donut or something to soak up the alcohol. I pull into the Wawa parking lot, find a spot in front. She gets out, comes around to my side, and stops alongside my window. I lower the window. You want something, she asks. Nah, I'm fine, thanks anyway. My treat. Really, I'm fine. I want to get you something. Okay, you win. I'll take a blueberry donut. No way they have any blueberry donuts. Seriously, what do you want? Trust me. It's against my principles to lie. They have blueberry donuts. Don't worry, I'll surprise you. She walks away and enters the Wawa. Scene 9. Four minutes later. My rider exits the Wawa carrying a small bag and comes right over to my window. I lower the window. They did have blueberry donuts, she says. Told you so. Would you mind if I sit up in front? Not at all. She walks around to the front of the envoy, opens the door and gets inside. I couldn't believe they had blueberry donuts. I got one for myself too. Look, are you in a hurry? Not really, why? Then go through Valley Forge Park. It takes a little longer, but it's a nicer ride. I set course for Valley Forge Park. Scene 10, 20 minutes later, Valley Forge Park. The donuts are long gone by the time we reach a narrow road leading into the historic National Park. We passed a handful of cars on the way here, but now we're the only vehicle on the road. And without any headlights, the ride's dark. We're talking openly and getting to know each other little by little. Under different circumstances, some might call it romantic. Suddenly, she touches my right bicep gently. I glance at her hand momentarily, then look back at the road. Now both of her hands are caressing my right bicep. Do you mind if I touch you like this? She asks. Does it make you feel better? In my current state of affairs and my current state of alcohol consumption. <laughs> yes, yes it does. Then I don't mind at all. Call me crazy, but I just came up with a slight change of plan. Like what? I'd like to buy you a drink. No problem, when do you want to get together? You don't understand right now. I want to buy you a drink right now. It's after one o'clock and we're in the middle of nowhere. This is where I grew up. I know a place where we can get a drink. It's still open and not far from here. Scene 11. Six minutes later. We reach a one-story building standing by itself on a small lot. The sign's still lit. Black Horse Tavern. It looks pretty much like a corner bar but we're in the middle of nowhere. There are only three cars parked in the lot and spaced far apart, making it easy to pull into a spot near the entrance. Next thing I know, we're holding hands as we walk toward the entrance. It's casual inside, almost country, with a long U-shaped bar and several big screen TVs on the walls. And there's a pool table at the other end of the room with two guys shooting pool. I have to go to the ladies' room, she says, 
then releases my hand. But you don't have to wait for me to order. She keeps walking toward the far end of the building. No one's at the bar, so I sit on the stool closest to me. The bartender comes right over. What can I get for you, he asks. I want to wait until she gets back. No problem, he walks away. I sit there watching the two guys shooting pool. Jess returns a little while later, kisses me on the cheek, then sits on the stool next to me. The bartender returns. What can I get for you folks, he asks. Jess turns her head toward me. Any chance you have Tecate? Actually, I do. Good, I'll take one. No glass. And you? I've seen you before, Jess tells the bartender, but don't know your name. Jimmy. I'm Jess. Pleased to meet you, Jess. What can I get for you? Same as Steve, but I'll take a glass. The bartender nods, then starts walking away. Jimmy, she calls out. The bartender stops and turns back to face her. And I'll take a shot of Cuervo. She turns to face me. Do you want to do a shot? Nah, I'm good. My treat. Thanks, but I still have to drive home. The bartender starts to walk away again. Jimmy, she calls out again. He stops walking and turns back to face her. Make that a double. And that's the end of chapter three. Join us next time for chapter four when Steve finally gets home around 4.30 in the morning.